how we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In Romans, if you want to turn there, is where I'm going to get a couple of verses, and then I'm going to be jumping around a little bit this morning, as usual. And we want to talk about how to be renewed or be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Every year, the flowers and spring and everything is renewed, and it's great, and we can see it. And it's such a beautiful, and the fragrances that's come from the flowers and all those other kind of things that are going on, it's great. I know if you have allergies and hay fever, it's not kind of the, you know, the best time of the whatever, but it's so nice to see all that life coming to. Well, we need to do that in our lives, too. Because sometimes, you know, we have those little kind of those little dry spells and we have those, those times that, you know, maybe we're not as uh, lively as we need to be. So we need to be renewed in our hearts and in our minds. And uh, I've wondered, you know, sometimes, so how do we exactly do that? We always talk about that. Got to be renewed. But how do we do that? And that's what I want to deal with this morning a little bit. In Romans, the 12th chapter, first verse. says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is an interesting scripture. And there's a lot of stuff in these two verses that we have there. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice which is our reasonable service. We go in and we buy cars and we do these things and we work out a deal and we say, well, you know, that kind of sounds reasonable to me. That sounds like a good deal, so that sounds reasonable. Well, God says to present our bodies a living sacrifice to him. That's reasonable. Sounds reasonable to me. I know there's a Chinese proverb that says that if someone saves your life, that your life belongs to that person. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You're basically belong to that person unless you save their life. Well, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to save God's life, but he saved my life, and he saved your life. And because he's done that, then our life doesn't belong to us anymore. It belongs to him. And we're supposed to present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. I'm glad he said a living sacrifice because I'll tell you, it's kind of hard sometimes to do some of the things if you're dead, right? <laughs> and sometimes, though, it's, it, it's not the best thing because if, you, if they tried to offer a sacrifice on the altar and the Old Testament was alive, it would be, little be kind of a little bit hard to do. And sometimes we have, a pro- we have a problem with that, too. You know, we're trying to offer ourselves, but we're always moving. No, 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 no. They want to, you know, put you on the altar, and we're climbing off and all these other kind of things because that's what would happen if they're alive. So God wants us to present ourselves a living sacrifice to to be able to say that our life is no longer ours. It belongs to God. And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world. We're born into this world unsaved, and we, we are raised to be conformed to this world. And our society has changed over the last, well, just in my lifetime. I can't believe all the changes that's happened in this life and in this world. And it doesn't matter what generation that comes up, they conform to the society that they're raised in. And then us older people, or us, or we that are, have been around a while, we like the old days when things were a lot easier to be, and there wasn't so much liberalism, so much immorality around. But we were conformed to that type of an environment. So we struggle with those kind of things, and I'm glad. But before we're Christians, we conform ourselves to the world, because our, our, everything that we do is 
in relationship to the world we live in. But when Christ saves us, he wants to transform us into something else. He wants to reshape us or reconform us and take us out of that situation and to be able to make us what he wants us to make us. D.L. Moody said that the scriptures were not given for our information, but for our transformation. Right? The scriptures were given so they could transform us, so they could reshape us into something that God wants us to be. And the first thing we can do if we want renewal of our mind is by resurrendering. Luke 10, 27 says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And this is how renewal begins. We have to resurrender our lives to Christ. I know we did it back there 10 years ago or 5 years ago or, or whatever it might be. But we need to resurrender our lives to Christ every single day of our lives. Just because you did it there doesn't mean that you can't do it every day of your life. And we should because we need to keep that dedication and that submission to God every single day of our lives. Sometimes every hour, every moment of our life. Because when we are completely surrendered to God, then it's easier to make those decisions. Because we're not making them in relationship to what I want. We're making them in relationship to what God wants. But if our lives aren't surrendered to him, if our lives aren't committed to him, then our minds will stay the same. God can't reshape something that doesn't belong to him. I mean, my neighbor probably wouldn't care if I went over and mowed his lawn for him. He probably wouldn't care about that. But if I went into his house and started rearranging the furniture... He might not like that. Or say, oh, you don't need this. I'll throw this away and I'll throw this away. Uh Uh-uh. They wouldn't like that. So in order to renew, we have to renew with what we want to be going on in our lives. So every day we have to make a decision. Every day I make it, I've already made the decision years ago that I'm going to be a Christian. So I don't have to decide every morning when I get up, am I going to be a Christian today? Am I going to be saved today? I already made that decision. But I do have to make a decision every day. Am I going to live this day for God? Am I going to dedicate this day to God? Or am I going to dedicate this day to myself? Am I going to try to look for opportunities to be able to exalt God in my life? Or am I going to look for opportunities to exalt myself? Everything starts by resurrendering our lives to him. That's where it starts. The second thing we need to do is rejoice. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This doesn't mean that just on the days that things are going great, it's easy to be happy on those days, isn't it? You know, you just got your paycheck and they gave you this big bonus and, and man, you're so happy and you're so excited and, and everything like that. And Oh, man, that's great. Those are great days. It's easy to rejoice. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory. It's easy to do that on those days. But those days when all of a sudden you find out they made a new deduction in your things they take out of your check, and all of a sudden they took out an extra 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks that you weren't planning on them taking out, and you already spent that money. It's already committed. What am I going to do now? God says you're supposed to rejoice. It's not easy on those days, but you can find things to be rejoiced about. I have a job. Maybe no one else does, but I have a job. So we're supposed to rejoice every single day, irregardless of the circumstances. Sometimes Christians let the world situations around us keep us from rejoicing. I know I get so irritated at the wisdom that Washington is not 
possessing right now, and I get so angry at the decisions that they're making now, and I've gotten angry at Bush, too, so it isn't a, a party thing. I used to get mad at Bush, too, for some of the things that he did that I thought he could do that he didn't do. So I get so aggravated about those. But on those days, I still, I'm still supposed to rejoice and say, thank you, I live in America. Thank you, I can complain. I can rejoice in my heart and I can pray, God, give them wisdom. God, help them to see all this stupidness that they're dealing with. So I can rejoice on those days. Nehemiah 8.10 says, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, the rejoicing and joy is so important because that's where we get our strength from. It, life seems to go so much easier when we're, when we're rejoicing, when things are happy. It doesn't matter, you know, on, on those days when you got that big fancy bonus and, and your kids come in or something, you know, something's messed up in their life or something. It's easier to face those situations, isn't it? It doesn't bother you near as much as on those days when maybe you lost your job and you came home. And then the kids come in with a situation or they, they come in and say, here, Dad, I got a hole in my shoe. Oh, man, I just lost my job. What am I going to do? Get the cardboard out. Let's stick cardboard in there. On those days, we're supposed to rejoice, too, because God's the same on both days. If God changed, then, hey, it'd be all right. But God doesn't change. He's the same on the good days and the bad days. And if we had bad days, the reason we have bad days is it's us. It's our attitude towards it. We let those situations in our lives tear us down. And God says, rejoice. And find something good about every situation. That's what God says. And when we have joy, he keeps us from the disappointing dis disabilities, or disabilities, difficulties, and the discouragements that everyone else faces. Because when we have the joy of the Lord in our heart, things don't bother us that much. Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight also thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give the desires of thine heart. God puts desires in our heart. And we were talking about a little bit in Sunday school that we're praying about a certain situation and they show, you know, we want to pray God's will and not pray what we want. And I didn't read that anywhere in the Bible. The Bible says to make our request known to him and then allow him the opportunity to either grant it that way or grant it another way. See, sometimes we don't get our needs met because we're not praying specific prayers. I mean, if you have a particular job you want, why not pray for that particular job? Why not just say, God, give me a job? Why not pray for a certain job? Why not pray for a job that makes X, and X amount of money an hour? Why not pray for a job that everything that you require? You know, God can do both. It's just as easy for God. God wants us to be specific. And he didn't give us desires in our hearts so we could be miserable. He may give us desires in our hearts so he could grant them. And man, I like getting some of the things I want, don't you? That's why kids like Christmas so much, and that's why they write a list, so they can get what they want. My kids used to not get the things they want, and they used to get mad and upset. Well, we need to give God our list, too. We don't need to be so focused on the list that we forget all the other stuff, and then get, let God have the option. And if we don't get our list, then still love God, still rejoice. But God puts desires in our heart, not because he's mean, and just wants to see us suffer, but so he can grant them because he's a good father. The third thing we can do to renew our minds is to uh, remember what we have and what we're becoming in Christ. We need to be able to remember the things that God's already done for us. If we don't, that's when we get depressed. When things are going bad, all we think about is the things that's going bad. We need to start looking at the things that's going right in our life. 
Maybe the only thing we have in our life that's going right is that we're saved. Well, hey, that's the best thing. God never takes the best thing away from us. Hey, I'm glad I'm saved. And so I don't care if the whole world falls around me. I'm saved. And I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to walk on streets of gold. And I'm going to have a mansion. Hey, man, those things are exciting. So who cares if my house I live in now has to have the electrical problem or a plumbing problem or a water heater problem, whatever it is. Hey, that's a downer, yeah. But I'll get through it. But I'm saved. I'm saved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's the most important thing. And I'm glad for that. Deuteronomy 8.2 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you on this long journey through the desert these past 40 years, sending hardships to test you so that he might know that you, what you intended to do, whether you would obey his commandments. Wow. God's led us through some dry times and some dark places, hasn't he? And he wants to see how we're going to respond. We can talk all we want, but until we draw, walk through those trials and through those tribulations and through those testings in our lives, how are we going to know? We use, God uses those to test us and to make us strong. And God tests us on what we know, what we already know, not what we don't know. You never go to school and have a test. I, don't, I never went to history class and got an English test. Did you? Or a math test. No, I got math tests and math, history tests and history, and English tests and English. Because that's what I was being tested on, what they were taught. And that's the same thing God does. He tests us on stuff that we're being taught, what we want to know. And it's for our benefit. God just says, yeah, to see how you're going to respond. Yeah, but it's for our benefit because then we know how we're going to respond. And God wants to make us strong. And the only way we can be strong is by going through these things. And then when we have those problems, then remember and look back and say, oh, yeah, I remember when he delivered me from that problem. I remember how I got through this. And when I was there, it was so dark, and I didn't know how I was going to survive. But God did. That's why God sent it for you, to be able to make you strong. And I want to be strong. I don't like the trials anymore than anybody else, but I want to be strong. And we can remember Joshua 23, 14 says, Every promise he made, he has kept. Not one has failed. So in those times, go find a promise. This book is loaded with promises that God has given us. Find one and remember it and quote it back to God until, it, until the answer comes. And that's what God wants us to do. But we need to remember where we were and where we weren't, where we came from. God brought the people out of Egypt as slaves. Well, we're slaves to this world before he saved us. And the problem is we're all still acting like slaves. We have a slave mentality, so we have to get transformed. And God wants to do change that in our mind and in our lives. The next thing we need to do is reckon ourselves dead and be filled with the Spirit. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we think, when we treat ourselves as dead because we're living sacrifices, that means as far as we're concerned, we're supposed to be dead. And dead people aren't tempted. Like, like they used to say, dead, dead people tell no lies. <laughs> so if somebody comes in your house and breaks in and you shoot them, make sure they're dead because then there's only one story they're going to hear. <laughs> dead people tell no tales. <laughs> dead people don't get jealous. Dead people don't worry. If you want your spiritual man to grow, 
you need to feed it. The problem is we're feeding the other guy. We're feeding this dead thing that we're walking around in instead of the life that's in us. And so we're trying to, we're trying to raise the dead. And God said, kill it. <laughs> Don't raise the dead. Let it be dead. Reckon yourselves dead. So if we reckon ourselves dead, then we're opening up our, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And we have to get rid of stuff in our life before we can be filled. God can't fill, fill a vessel that's already full. And if we're so full of stuff, we've got to get rid of it. So we have to pretend that we're dead. And in God's eyes, he considered us dead. And Jim Elliott, I don't know whether you know who he is, he was, a mission, he was the first missionary to the Anca Indians down in, I don't know where it says, South America or someplace. Anyway, and they were the old, you know, when they were really uncivilized people. And they landed on the beach. And they noticed they landed on the beach. And the Indians come out onto the, uh, the beaches and they killed them all. Kill all the missionaries. Kill them all. And they didn't even get to witness to any of them. But later his wife went down there and ministered to these people. And all the people that had killed her husband got saved. And one of them was an evangelist in that area. But anyway, this is what he said before he goes, before he went there, when they kept telling him how dangerous this situation was. And he said, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's what we got to remember. No matter what we give up, it doesn't matter because it isn't worth anything because we're not giving up anything because all this stuff's going to be gone. One of these days, whatever job you have, someone else is going to have it. One of these days, whatever possessions you have, someone else will have them. Whatever money you have, you, you're going to die and you're going to leave it all. You're not taking any with you. I've never yet seen a, seen a U-Haul on the way to heaven with a trailer behind it. I'm at a, a, a limousine or a curse with a with a u-haul trailer behind it It isn't like that whatever you have they said how much money did such and such have how much money did he leave when he died and a christian said all of it (laughs) and that's what we leave when we die we leave it all it doesn't matter what it is i don't care whether you have five dollars in the bank or five million you're leaving it all when you die so we need to remember that to transform our minds we need to recondition him Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It's normal in our society to think negative thoughts. That's all we see on the news, isn't it? They don't put good news, good stuff on the news very rarely. Why? Because we want to hear the bad stuff. We like to hear that bad stuff because we want to know how much better off we are. We love to hear the oh me's and the oh my's of other people. Oh man, they're going through it. Man, they're really going through it. We go, thank you, Jesus. I don't have that problem. I think that's why we like to listen to the news and listen to those negative things and all the things going on in these other countries. They go, oh God, thank you. I live in America. And all that's good. But where our minds are conditioned to be able to want that negative stuff. We like that negative stuff. That carnal man in us just sucks that up like nothing. It loves it. But God says we have to change our thoughts. We have to think about the good stuff. We have to concentrate on all the things that have a good report, all the things that are honest, all the things that are what we need in our lives. Concentrate on those and think about those things and quit looking at all the negative things in our lives. We need to start thinking positive thoughts. 
We need to start thinking instead of saying, oh, me, oh, me, this day is so bad. I got up this morning and the alarm didn't go off. So now my whole day is ruined. Well, guess what? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's going to be ruined because you've already got your mind made up. It's going to be ruined. And you're going to fulfill your own prophecy. We need to get up when the alarm didn't go off and say, well, praise the Lord, the alarm didn't go off. I guess he figured I need a little more sleep today. So, but it's going to be a good day because I'm not going to be as tired. And start looking at the positive things about things. Or maybe, God, you made me get up late today because I'm going to miss an accident that would have damaged my car. Or maybe I would have run over that nail that someone else run over because I wasn't there. And they have to change the flat, and I don't have to. And I got to sleep instead of changing a flat tire. So we got to think positive thoughts. And we got to realize that when people say things to us or say things, we got to stop looking at it and taking it negatively. When people say something to us, we automatically think, oh, what do they mean by that? And we get offended before we even know what they mean. But we have to realize that not people don't want to hurt us intentionally. I say a lot of stupid things, and my husband said amen. <laughs> we say a lot of stupid things that we don't mean because sometimes the words come out before our mind engages. Isn't that right? But we as people, when we're hearing these things, we've got to realize that that person I know didn't intentionally want to hurt me. And I know they didn't mean it. And if we need to say, is this what you meant? Or what did you mean by that? Or repeat back to them. This is what I understand you to say. Or don't say anything and just assume if there's any way you can take that that is a positive thing, take it that way. Instead of getting upset and mad and offended over something. Because the devil's going to use that, and our minds are going to start reverting back to the old life, to the old way. Number six, we need to replace what is carnal with what is God's word. Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. I'm not going to read all that, though. It says, put away anger, jealousy, wrath, slander, clamor, and put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, hearing with Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. We need to relearn to replace the things of the world or the things of this carnal nature with the things that God wants us to replace them with. Replace anger. Get, away, get anger away from us. Anger is so bad for us because we always say, don't, when we say things that are wrong, it's always when we're mad, isn't it? When we're angry and upset, we just, ah. If couples would just learn not to say things when they're angry, look at the problems that would alleviate. Or the kids when they're mad at their parents, or the parents that are mad at their kids. I know this past week my, my son had a problem with his son, with his son something that was you know, pretty drastic, and, and he was fuming mad. And he, he had to call and tell Grandma what he'd done. And that was not pleasant for him. <laughs> and he said, I can't talk to you. You're going to call and tell Grandma what you did. And so, and, she, and his mother, called, when I talked to her after, said, he, was, he didn't do anything until he started talking to Grandma, and then the tears started coming. <laughs> and I told, told her, I says, I says, whatever you do, do not decide what his punishment's going to be while you are as mad as you are right now. <laughs> I says, because if you do... This situation that has a great lesson in it for him, that he's, you know, when I talked to him, I wasn't kind. You know, I was as nice as I could be about trying to get down to the root of the problem and all those things so he could understand how serious it was that he, what he did. And I says, he's going to learn that, let lose that lesson. And I says, you have an opportunity. You're either going to chase him away from you or you're going to, he's going to use this and grow. 
So I said, whatever you do, don't do that while you're angry. Settle down. Think about it. Tell him, say, hey, we're going to think about this. We're going to talk about it. Then we're going to decide. And then he'll stew in his own juices. Oh, man, what's dad going to do to me? What's dad going to do to me today? Oh, no. Oh, no. And that, sometimes that's worse than anything, isn't it? You know you're going get to a, get a butt kicking? Hey, I'll take the butt kicking. Get it over with. Don't let me think about it all day. Oh, man, I hate that. Whether your, mom, whether your dad gets home, you're really going to get it. Oh, man, don't you just hate that time? I'd rather just spank me, just beat me up. I don't want to wait about it all day. Get it over with. <laughs> so we need to put all these things out from us and be able to put kindness and love and gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And when that happens, then it's easier for us, our minds, to change because that's how God works. We put this God's stuff in. We get all the other stuff out, but then we got to fill it up with what God wants to put in our lives. Ephesians 4, oh, I read that one. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, we're not conformed because we come out of that. We came out of that lifestyle. And we need to change what we're doing. We weren't happy back there. Well, so why do we think that well, as the Christians we're going to be happy if we get to have our foot in both worlds? You can't do that. We've got to be able to say, I don't care what's going on over there. I'm going to not be conformed to this world. We have to be in the world, but we don't have to be of it. We don't have to have our mindset the way the world's is. Because if we go along with what the world says, then abortion's okay. The gay lifestyle's okay. It's okay to shack up. It's okay to do all these other kind of things because that's what the world says. But that isn't what God says. So we can't live according to the world's lifestyle. We've got to live according to God's lifestyle. That's why he gave us this Bible, to be able to renew our lives, to renew our minds. So it's a conviction. People that have a conviction about something are the ones people are going to listen to. All these people, these, these, these people have the gay, gay lifestyle. You'd think the whole world was homosexual. You'd think that by the news, wouldn't you? You'd think that everyone in the world has that kind of lifestyle. But in reality, there's a very small percentage, maybe 1% or a half a percent of the population that is in that lifestyle. But they're the ones that's making the most noise. We need to start making noise. We not only got to be not conformed to the world, we need to conform the world to God's standards. One person at a time. One Christian at a time. That's what we need to do. And that's our responsibility. And we can't do it. We can't have that conviction in our life unless we've been in this word and know what God says. Because God's word changes us. It changes who we are. And it changes us into what God wants us to be. And we tell God that I don't want to read your word. I want to read the paper instead of reading your word. We say that paper's more important. And when we tell uh, God, when we spend our money on movies, when we spend our money on our own entertainment, video games, and those kind of things, instead of supporting God's house and paying our tithes, we're telling God, my entertainment's more important than your work, God. Because that's what the way the world thinks. The world thinks it's ridiculous to give money to God. Don't give your money to them. That's all they want down there. I'm not going to church. All they want is my money. Well, guess what's the most important thing to that person that says it? It's the money. 
God always talks about the things that's most important to us and deals with us. That's an idol in our life. If that's the most important thing in our life, it's an idol. We need to get rid of it. And when we don't pray and talk to God, but we watch a lot of television, we're telling God, God, I'd rather watch TV than talk to you. We don't come to church. We say, well, I'd rather be out in the world. I'd rather sit here with my TV than fellowship with Christians and believers. And then we wonder why we're not conformed to God's word. And we wonder why our minds aren't transformed. And we wonder why we don't have feel the spirit of God in our life. Well, well, that's why. We can't, God can't, won't force himself on us. It has to be our choice. It has to be our decision, and we have to choose it. And sometimes we need to make those choices. We need to turn off that TV if that's what it means. We need to not go out to dinner. We need to do whatever we need to do to do what God wants us to do. And we need to be in his word to find out what that is. I, I laugh at people that talk about all these areas, and they'll call you up, and they'll say, do you think it's okay if, if I do this? Well, they were looking for somebody to try to tell them it's okay <laughs> to do something. Most people don't have as many gray areas in their life as what they, what they think. They just want somebody to give permission for them to do something that they think, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. But the closer we get to God, the more God we have in our life, there are no gray areas. It's just that simple because there's not any room in our life for anything else. We don't have to worry about, should I go to that X-rated movie? Oh, yeah, there's nobody here that say, oh, no, nobody should go there. Nobody should go there. Well, if you're far away from God and all you do is go to church and you never crack the cover of this book and you listen to society, they say it's okay. After all, they made the movie. Thousands and millions of people are watching it. So it's okay. But that isn't what God judges by. God tells us no. And we've got to know what his no's are. And the no's he tells me might be different than the no's he tells you. Some things he slaps my hands probably more than he slaps yours because, hey, more's given, more's required. <laughs> so if you're, if you're sitting and say, man, what's terrible? So, oh. You know, I tell people sometimes, you know, sometimes Christianity sure gets in the way, doesn't it? You just, oh, I'd love to tell him what I really think. Oh, I just love to say that. Oh, I just want to just, oh, just wish one time, God. Turn your back, God. I want to punch him, you know. Don't you want to do that sometimes? <laughs> But God says, no, no, down, down, saunter, down, saunter. Get anger out of you. Step back. Don't open your mouth. Calm down. I know God doesn't talk to you like that, does he? Just me. The next thing we need to do is realize that God's will is best in all situations. We live in a world that thinks that I did it my way. There's that song. I did it my way. Well, there's a lot of people that did it their way, and that's why we're in the mess we're in. They did it their way. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it God's way. Because God's way is the right way, whether I agree with it or not. See, because God knows what's down the road for me. I don't know. I have to depend upon God to show me what he wants me to do. And sometimes, I mean, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I make wrong decisions. Sometimes I make bad choices just like you do. I'm not any holier than anyone else. I make bad choices, and I pay for those choices and those decisions. But God, if I would just ask God, and I would come to God and say, guide me, give me wisdom, give me the direction I need in this situation, 
and then make a decision based upon what I'm feeling God wants me to do, I'm going to eliminate a lot, a lot of problems in my life. And I may not like it. A lot of people don't dedicate their life to God because they say, oh, God, God's going to send me to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. Well, I guarantee you, if God sends you to Africa, he wants you in Africa, you're going to want to be there as much as God wants you to be there. So we need to get those, that kind of thought out of your life. People say, I'm afraid to teach Sunday school class. Oh, I can't do that. I'm afraid. I don't want to do that. So I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to sit back here on the, on the front row because nobody sits up here. <laughs> I just say the back row, but I don't want to get the people in the back. I'm going to sit up here on the front row and keep my mouth shut and not get involved because I don't want to. Well, I guarantee you, when God puts a desire in your heart, you'll want to do it as much as God wants you to. But see, we have to get our minds changed. We've got to get our minds renewed. When we're thinking in the old culture and the old world's lifestyle, we're not going to want to do anything. Just go out there and work, go um, boating, go fishing, go hunting, go do all these things. That's the lifestyle. I don't want to mess up any of my time because when you're involved in ministry, it takes time. Tammy will say amen. I'll say amen. <laughs> Double amen. And anybody that's ever been involved knows how much time's invested in it. Sarah says amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? One for every kid. and <laughs> It's a lot of time's invested in it. And a lot of that time is in prayer. I want to make sure I spend as much time in prayer as I do in, in preparing what I'm going to do. Because I don't ever want to come up here and say what I want to say. Because guarantee you're not interested in what Sandra has to say here. I may get a few things and get a few amens out of it, but I guarantee you want to hear what God wants me to say. And I only want to say what God wants me to say. And when I first started doing this kind of thing, I was petrified. I mean, I was okay to disrupt the class in the back of the room. That was okay. I could open my big fat mouth and do all these other kinds of things back there and put me up here. And, oh, man, I'll tell you, sweat pours off your face. And, oh, man, you can't think, and you're sitting, and you try to memorize everything you're going to say, and then you get up there, and you miss a line, and you don't know where you're at, and you think, oh, God, what have you gotten me into? Well, guess what? <laughs> God changed me. <laughs> and he'll change you, too, if you'll just give it to God. And say, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And when we're willing, that's when the renewal can start happening. God can't change our minds. He can't renew our hearts and minds until we've done that. So we want to make sure that we've done that. Next thing is we need to reconcile with anyone we are in conflict with. Romans 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you and pray for those who try to do you harm. Ooh, I pray for them, God. Kill them. Kill them. I'm going to pray David's prayer. Kill them, God. Kill them. God says to pray for those that treat you like dirt. And those that you're in conflict with. And you know the amazing thing about that is, it isn't that God wanted us to be an ogre and make us do something we don't want to do. He, because he knew that that was the only way for the situation to change. So if your boss is giving you a bad time, pray for him. Pray, God, bless the socks off of him. Lord, bless him. Help him. Help me find favor in his eyes. Bless his life. And Lord, change my heart. Change the situation or change him, one or the other. And I guarantee one of those three things will happen. The biggest thing that's going to happen is we'll be changed. And all of a sudden, that guy's attitude towards you, it may change or it may not change. It may be that your attitude towards them changed. So you think that God has changed. But in reality, God has changed us. In, um, it says, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. We need to do that. 
as much as lies within me, I want to live at peace with all men. There's sometimes we have, can't live at peace with them. When they're sitting there trying to get me to okay abortion, when they're trying to get me uh, to agree with all this immorality, hey, I'm not agreeing, and I'm going to stand up and be counted. I don't care if they throw me in jail. I don't care if they cut my head off. I don't care if they shoot me. I don't care. doesn't matter. I've made up my mind. And if you haven't made up your mind to that, you better start making up your mind because that day may be coming. If we don't have a revival in this nation, that day will happen before we know it. And you say, no, that can't happen. Well, look around you. Did you ever think any of the stuff that's going on would be happening in this country? I didn't. It can happen. And if we're not praying for our nation, we're just letting the devil come right on in like a flood. The next thing we need to do, well, let me think. We need to avoid strife. And we don't throw a fit when we don't get our own way. Most of all, we need to show kindness to people. A little kindness can turn away a lot of anger, can it? It's hard when somebody yells at you and you answer back with a soft answer. Doesn't that make them feel like an idiot? Doesn't it? I mean, you can't get in a fight with somebody if there's only one person fighting and arguing. Have you noticed that? Husbands and wife, they argue. Why? Because the wife says something and the husband says something back and the husband says something and the wife says something back. That's how it happens, isn't it? This is fighting. This is fighting in sign language. <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, arguing back and forth or stuff like that. But you can't argue with somebody that isn't arguing. So it isn't worth it. And if you can see that someone just isn't getting it, all they want to do is argue with you because there are professional arguers out there. I know it. I've been with them. My dad just used to love to get me off a tangent and just sit there and argue with me. Of course, it was kind of fun. It was fun arguing with my dad about things. Sometimes I did things just to, so he'd argue. <laughs> and we know what's going to start an argument. I've lived with Randy for a long time. And I'll tell you, if I want to make him mad, I know what button to push. And he knows what button to push. And so when that button's pushed, we have to, oh, Lord, disconnect the circuit. Don't let me go off. Because you can't argue with someone that doesn't want to argue. And a quiet answer changes the situation. So we need to show kindness to other people. Then we need to recharge our batteries. And God will provide all the energy, the vitality, and all the things that we need if we'll just let him. We work all year long so we can take a vacation. And we need a vacation from our job. We need a change. And we don't have a problem with taking a vacation because I've earned it. Well, our spiritual man, the only way it gets vacation and gets renewed is by reading God's word, coming to church, fellowshipping with other believers, praying and seeking God. And then God renews our spiritual man. But guess what? He also renews this physical man that we have. And all of a sudden we have that vitality and that life renewed again in our hearts and in our lives. That's what happens when we come to God and we let him renew and re let him change our minds. We have, um, you've seen these old sponges that sit on the, the counters of people, you know, after they've used them, you know, sponges that they use. They're sitting on the counter and they're in the corner and they're just as hard as a rock, aren't they? Man, you can't do anything with that. You try to, all they'll do is scratch something because it's just useless that way. But put water on it. Put a little moisture in that thing, and all of a sudden that sponge becomes soft, and it becomes pliable, and it becomes useful. 
And that's what God wants to do with us. Because that's what our lives are like when, when we come to Christ. They're hard and they're brittle and they're basically good for nothing. Except for this worldly thing. But God takes that and he starts adding a little bit of water. And all of a sudden that sponge just sucks it up. And it sucks it up. And we want it, and he put more water on it, more water on it, more water, until the point where that sponge is just wet and it's dripping, and then it's useful or something. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. He wants to take these dry hides that we have, and he wants to put life into us. He wants to infuse us and give us strength and give us the encouragement and giving us all the things that we need. But we have to know that we have to have our batteries renewed. And it isn't just it's from Sunday to Sunday. If that's the only time you're getting water in your sponge, believe me, it's going to be a, it's not the way to live. That isn't God's will. God expects us to talk to him every day, to get a little water in our sponge every single day. He wants us to get up and spend time with him, to be able to, to commune with him and ask him to be with us through that day and to give you guidance and give you direction and put something in our hearts before we go out there because there's so much darkness out there, we need to bring the light. And it's kind of hard to shine if our light's dead and it's, whoa, and it's gone. So we need to let that light be Stoke a fire and let God make us pliable and useful. The next thing we need to do is rethink the best way to be involved in ministry. Every one of us here has been called to a ministry. None of us, God didn't call anybody to, to just sit on a pew. He called all of us into a specific thing to be involved in this church and in our church body. And our church and our body needs everyone that's here. We can't function unless everyone is doing their part. I don't know what that part is. Maybe you're here to pray. Maybe there's a Sunday school teacher out there that doesn't want, that's kind of laying back and saying, I don't want to do that. Or maybe there's someone else to do something else. It doesn't matter. There's all kinds of things that God has in the church and in the body of Christ. Just like we all have different types of jobs. We're all gifted to do a certain kind of job. Val's involved in quality, and there takes a certain certain education, a certain thing that he needs to be involved in that. I guess, Freddie, you're weld. Isn't that what you do, well, Freddie? Weld? There's a lot, of, a lot of people can't weld. Well, God didn't call you to be a welder. Aren't you glad? His employer's glad. <laughs> he wants somebody there that was called to be a welder. He hired a welder. He didn't hire a quality control person to be the welder. And that's the same thing that happens in the church. God will have something for each one of us to do. All we got to do is be willing if we're not willing, then God can't use us. And then our sponge just starts to dry up because it's hard to keep water in something if you're not willing to let it be wet. Don't get me wet, God. Don't get me wet. I don't want to do that. I don't take any chances. I might end up in Africa. <laughs> I don't want to go. We went to Colorado kicking and screaming when God moved us there, didn't we, honey? Oh, we didn't want to go. He did everything he could not to, get a, not to go there. I had a job, and, and we didn't want to go. And he couldn't even get a job selling Slurpees at 7-Eleven. Oh, God, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. We're happy here. We're comfortable. But we went, dragging our heels, but we went. We were willing. God didn't say we had to be willing all the time, but we went. And I'm not kidding you. Those were some of the best years of our life because God had to do some things in our life he couldn't do where we were at. And our lives changed, our ministry changed, our gifts, gifting changed and matured in the different things that we could do. I couldn't be up here this morning if we hadn't went to Colorado. God be up, molded us and started knocking off some rough edges, and I didn't like it, but God did it. So we have to be willing to be able to, 
be molded into what God wants us to do. And just because we do something when I'm younger, I'm glad I wasn't called to work in a bakery. Selling, you know, at the counter help, just selling people money or doing demonstrations, selling sandwiches my whole life. I met people to do that's fine. I'm glad because I did that because I just wanted some money as a, as, a, as a kid, as a teenager. I just wanted some money. I didn't care what I did. I just wanted some money. But I had to start somewhere. But that wasn't for my lifetime. He changed, and I changed different jobs throughout my life. I did different things that I did so God could prepare me for what I'm doing now. Amen? And that's what God wants to do with us. So if God's calling you to something, go ahead and do it. He may change it after a while, after he gets you into the willingness to do something. And if he calls you to something, he's going to give you the joy in your heart to do it. So you don't need to worry about it. That's God's will. We buy motorhomes today so we can get out and get away, get away from it all. And that's why we buy them. And then what do we do? We load up our motorhomes and we take everything that we have at home with us. We don't sleep in sleeping bags. And sometimes we go camping and we never go outside the motorhome. We want to see the world. We want to see new things. But we don't change the environment. And that's what we as Christians do. See? We get saved, but we don't want to change the environment. We want to take the old environment with us into our new lives. But God says, hey, I want to make you a new creature. I want to change you. I want to give you something else. I've got so much more planned for your life. So if you want to be renewed in your mind and transformed, we need to resurrender, rejoice, remember what we have and are becoming in Christ, reckon ourselves dead, recondition our minds, replace the carnal with the godly, realize God's will is best for our lives in all situations, and do it. Reconcile with anyone we are in conflict with, recharge our batteries, rethink our life, and ministry fit. And if we do those things, then I guarantee you will renew your mind, and God will be able to dwell in your life in a new and better way than you ever thought he could. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for